Wednesday on Daily Delivery. I'm Michael Rand. Happy to be back for another day. Hope you guys are as well. And a good show coming up. Jeff Day from the Star Tribune will join me here in just a little while to talk gopher volleyball and also some bigger picture stuff about college sports. Kind of been a theme on this show in the last couple weeks, but I think it bears repeating um, just what an impact this time, this era of college athletics is having. Um, Jeff Day calls it abstract college sports. I like the way he phrased it. Um, Taylor Landfair, gopher, uh, excellent gopher volleyball player, announcing she is in the transfer portal. That was a few days ago. What does that mean for not just the gophers, but for for the for college sports in general like what what where what era are we in right now with college sports where these things are kind of commonplace and you're seeing you know big time players or not, you know sometimes not um being mobile going other places so jeff and i'll get into that program the future and what what the transfer portal really means for college sports. Um, that will lead me into a little discussion at the end of the show about National Signing Day. That starts today for Go for Football. Some interesting decisions coming there, and some interesting things have already happened there. We've got some Aaron Rodgers news, which I always get to on this show. First, though, what I miss, this is why they play the games, I guess, is the plainest way I can say it, because... The Wild on uh, Monday lose a game in Pittsburgh where it looks like it, it has the potential to be one of those weird little moments that can take a season in the wrong direction, right? The the Wild have two goalies. Um, Philip Gustafson has been on a roll, but he's definitely, and he's definitely established himself as the primary goalie this season. Even though Marc-Andre Fleury, the veteran, still has talent still has skill um those roles have definitely been reversed since the start of last year when it looked like it would be flurry for about two-thirds of the games and gustafson for about one-third now it's a little more reversed like that or at least like a 60 40 split in net so you had back-to-back games you knew one was going to get one game one was going to get the other game seemed to make sense that Gustafson would play against Boston, the harder game, on Tuesday, while Fleury would get Pittsburgh, you know, no slouch, but would get Pittsburgh, the team he, you know, the team that he is legendary for playing for, won all those Stanley Cups with Pittsburgh earlier in his career, that he would get that game. Instead, Gustafson gets that game, the Wild lose. Gustafson you know, talks about how it was a little awkward that fans were chanting for Flurry to get in the game. Flurry talks about how it was a little bit disappointing that he didn't get to play that game. And then they got to go play Boston after losing to Pittsburgh. Gustafson gave up four goals. They lost four three. They got to go play. Got to go play Boston after losing to Pittsburgh. Boston, one of the best teams in the league. They get to Boston. It's a back to back. They get circles skated, you know, skated circles around them in the first period boston at least at the at least the back half of the period that i was really paying attention to boston scores with like less than a second left in the first period to take a 2-1 first period lead and you're like okay this is this is just going south it's not good it's you know are these guys still a little bit upset and they're playing without matt zuccarello they're playing without jared spurgeon they're playing without Jonas Brodeen, obviously two of their they're their two best def, two of their best defensive players, two of their more veteran, great defensive players, plus 
you know, uh, Kirill Kaprizov's wingman, the guy who sets him up for so many of his goals. And you're like, how are, you know, not only how are they going to come back and win this game and stay in this game, but what impact is this going to have over the course of a season? And then, like we say, that's why they play the games, because the Wild end up winning this game 4-3. to three. It turns into one of the most entertaining regular season games that you can imagine. Um, the intensity ratchets up in the third period. The Wild take a lead. Ryan Hartman and Kirill Kaprizov score to give them a lead. Boston scores late on a you know pulled goalie situation with a power play. Turns into like a five-on-three, six-on-four situation. And they get a scramble goal with a little over a minute left. So they tie it. Um, Flurry standing on his head all game, by the way. That's um, no doubt about that. He's been great all game, making spectacular saves. I think he wound up with 39 saves on 42 shots. He was terrific in this game. And the Wild wind up winning when when Kaprizov has a beautiful one-timer from Erickson Eck in overtime. They win 4-3. Now it goes from looking like one of those games that can define a season the wrong way to defining it the right way. They're talking about how they can use this as a catalyst for the rest of the year, how they went toe-to-toe and won in Boston without some of their best players, things like that. So not the outcome I would have predicted going into the game, not the outcome I would have predicted after that first period. But again, you know, it's a cliche in sports, but these guys don't care. They don't, they don't, they don't pay attention so much to the storylines we do. They don't look at the game the same way we do. They look at it and say, I'm one of the greatest athletes in the world right now. I'm one of the best of all time right now. I'm going to play my best game and let's see where this ends up. And that was the attitude it seemed like the Wild had in this game that Mark andre Fleury had in this game as he moved closer, just three wins away now from moving into second place all time on the uh, career wins list for goalies as he marches on towards that with an unexpectedly um, unexpectedly gained win in this game. That's that's how they approach it. We look at it as journalists, as media members, as fans in a different way. We look at it and say, oh man, there's no way they can do this. They look at it and say, absolutely I can do this because, because I am one of the best. It is one of the differences in how they approach it versus how we see it. And I think the, that was illustrated in this game on Tuesday. Speaking of old guys trying to rekindle their glory years, Aaron Rodgers will not play, it sounds like, for the Jets the rest of this season. The Jets were officially eliminated from playoff contention on Sunday with their loss. Rodgers has been rushing, trying, insisting that he can come back from this torn Achilles in record time. He's apparently made amazing progress on it, but he wouldn't have been 100% for a few weeks at least anyway. And so now he gets he gets to say the thing that I think he wanted to say all along, that he could have come back, would have given it a try, but since they're out of it, it doesn't make any sense. And I'm sure he's looking at this as, wow, this is a wasted year, right? Like he's only got so many years left, probably one or two after this. He's only got so many opportunities left. Injures the Achilles on what the fourth play of the season. The great expectations in New York shattered immediately. You do kind of wonder after watching this season play out how good they would have been with Rodgers. I don't know if he could have quite elevated them to be as good as they hoped they could be, especially with the way he played last season. But certainly they would have been better, much better offensively with Rodgers than with Zach Wilson and the other cast of characters playing for the Jets. But 
Rodgers gets to say, I gave it a try, but we don't, we can't, we can't, we not, it doesn't make sense now. And the Jets get to say, hey, let's try this again in 2024. But no Aaron Rodgers, it sounds like, for the rest of this season. He might practice. I don't think he's going to play, though. It doesn't make any sense. You don't want to re-injure something when the games don't matter. And maybe we'll see him again next year and uh, see if these things go better for him in 2024. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Really glad to be joined by Jeff Day, um, multi-platform multi editor and writer at the Star Tribune. I don't know if that, I guess that title does you justice, uh, Jeff, but you do a lot of stuff at the Star Tribune. One of the things you do very well is uh, provide our coverage of the Gopher volleyball team. It's been an interesting beat. I mean, it always is when they were just winning a lot under Hugh McCutcheon, but then when McCutcheon stepped aside, uh, you know, roughly this time, about this time last year, right? It wasn't that wasn't that long after the season that he that he announced that he was vacating the role of head coach, or you know, it was actually during the season last year, and then kind of or during the during the year of two years ago, and then they bring in Keegan Cook for this past year, some growing pains, make it to the second round of the tournament. But the big news lately, Jeff, um, pardon me for being cheesy here, but uh, transfer portal Taylor's version. Um, oh my god. You didn't even think of that, did you? You didn't even think of <laughs> no. dad, dad jokes for days. Um, oh Taylor Landfair, the excellent, um, excellent player for the Gophers, decides to enter the portal. That was the big news in the last in the last few days. What what do we yeah. make of that, and kind of what that what the implications are? Yeah, and it's worth noting that it is you know 10 a.m. on a Tuesday. By the time this runs, she could have committed somewhere. So we'll yes. see. I would not surprise me at all if that comes out in the next 24 hours. Um, um, I think that this was a surprise um, to the U, um, to the coaching staff that is there, um, and maybe even to her teammates. I think there is this sense that, um, you know, that, that, yeah, it just wasn't necessarily telegraphed like this was coming. So, sure. Um, the fact that it happened, I think in retrospect, you look at it and it's like, well, this is a player that gave four ye four years to the U. Now, that's in most eras of college athletics, that's a career. Yeah. Uh, in the COVID era, she has, and because she dealt with a very serious abdominal injury during her sophomore season, she has two years remaining potentially. Whether she uses both, you know, that remains to be seen. Um, but it's this world that we're in right now and you're seeing it in college football and you're really seeing it having a huge impact in college volleyball because of this extra year um, transferring has become a really a chaotic um, <laughs> field in college volleyball. Um, it was apparent in the final four that just finished last weekend, how essential transfers were, you know, everybody was focused on Nebraska and these freshmen, but Merritt Beeson was a transfer from Florida, one of the Gators best players. And without her, Nebraska is not where they are this season. Uh, you know, Jenna Wenis was down at Texas. Uh, that was a former gopher. She had a tremendous, tremendous final four. 
Um, Wisconsin is, of course, just a a field of transfers. I mean, that, that that's what they do. It, it reminds me, I often compare it to John Calipari back in the one and done era where you sure. have this coach and Kelly Sheffield who is unapologetic about saying we're going to build rosters this way. Um, I have no inside information on this, but if landfair lands over there, oh my, oh my lord! Like uh-huh. um, <laughs> uh, like Carter but, uh, Booth did, like Carter. Yeah, Booth I know did. she. Well, that's exactly what I mean. If they go back to back years of snagging um, crucial Gopher players, that will just be what a what a what a time. But um, in general, I think you know, I, I I just think it creates an interesting transitionary moment for this program again um, when they made it. Through the year, when Landfair stayed last year, A, that was viewed as a really big deal. Um, it was a vital part of Keegan Cook trying to kind of keep the roster from disintegrating. Now, yeah. if it had, it wouldn't have been necessarily his fault. All kinds of programs, when they go through a coaching transition, players leave, um, and, and especially during the transfer portal era. So the fact that he only lost two players, even though they were very good players, it was like, well, they're they're going to be able to maintain some competitiveness here. Um, and Landfair was the first piece of of that. Um, and and Cook talked about that at length this season. Um, I think it seemed to me just this is observational. This isn't from necessarily people telling me anything, but I think that they had a good relationship. I don't know that her play was necessarily heightened in the system he was trying to run. That was just something that to me was observationally clear. And then the statistics backed it up. She did not get nearly as many attempts on the attack. Um, they were trying to spread the ball around a little bit more. They were trying to, you know, McKenna Wooker was led the team in kills per set this season. You know, that's a that's an indica- indicator of kind of, you know, just a more spread out and balanced offense, especially from the year before with Hugh, where Lamper was the Big Ten player of the year. She was without question the focal point of the Gophers volleyball team last season um, or two years ago, however we want to say this. But um, I just think when you watch this team this season, it's like, you know, something felt off early. Um it's just, you know, just sort of systematically almost. It was like yeah. something just doesn't feel quite right. There was questions about the balance of the roster. They have a lot of uh, really solid players on the attack. They were trying to play them all in the back row, doing six rotation stuff. The defense was struggling. Landfair was being asked to be a more aggressive uh, defensive player to have that be, you know, a key part of her game. That's something that she wants um, if she's going to play internationally or play on the U.S. Olympic team or, do you know, have those kind of goals. Um, that's the stuff that has to get done. I learned all this in the past couple of years, right, just the right. age of sure. rotations in volleyball. Um, but all of this to say that when she left, I or when she announced that she was leaving, I thought um, that's a, a devastating blow. It also feels like it's just a sped up version of what is going to be happening here. This roster that Keegan Cook inherited um featured a lot of really talented players. It it didn't feel like it necessarily had the right balance to me as an observer. I think others have, have noted that as well. But um, I just think when player like this leaves, it creates all kinds of ripples. Yeah. And um, what it means for next season remains to be seen what they do without her. I mean, I just think that to me, it as much as McCutcheon's departure was obviously radical, this is also a radical moment. This is a this is a quicker change of the foundation of the program than was expected. Um, and of all the players that could have left, I think she is probably the most impactful in terms of we are going to see a different team next season. Um, because no matter what 
her output was this year, any team getting ready to play the Gophers was targeting Taylor Landfair first and foremost. Um, she was on the mind of every team. And that's for good or bad. I mean, so, um, yeah, I just think it's one of the most impactful transfers, obviously, that they've ever had. And um, it continues this trend of a program in transition and what do they look like um, under Keegan Cook and how does he, you know, really imprint the kind of, not just the kind of, not just the kind of coach that he is, but the kind of program that he wants to run and what his teams look like. It's it's going to speed up a little bit. I'm glad you mentioned the COVID year as a factor in kind of mobility with these players because, correct me if I'm wrong, but volleyball is always a sport where you could transfer from program to program without losing eligibility. You could play right away. That was that was not a sport where you had to sit. I remember the Gophers getting players in the past where they just came right in and you could you could transfer kind of freely in that sport, if I'm not mistaken. But the COVID year adds, you know, adds that extra year where it's like, even if you've been there, you've got all of this extra time now, where if you're thinking, ah, uh, in, in, in a typical career, if you're like, ah, I've only got one year left, I might as well stick this out. Like players are looking at it. They're saying, hey, you know, in other sports, a lot of sports are looking at NIL money, but they're also looking like, hey, I can go somewhere for two years, have a chance yeah. to play, have a chance to win. I've put in my time here. It was great, but I think I can get to a better situation now. That's 100% correct. And the thing, too, is uh, the Gophers benefited from this last year. You know, Ohio State watched an exodus of really solid fifth-year seniors, COVID seniors, leave their program. The Gophers landed Kylie Murr in that space. And so this isn't uh, unique to Minnesota, um, but I think that the element of Lanfer still having two seasons and that she stuck with Cook is what maybe made this surprising. Um and 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 also makes it, you know, probably sting a little bit would be the word I would use both for, you know, I'll just give you an insight into my life. Um, I'm not a social media person. I loathe right. social media, even though I do it for my job because I love my job and I love our Star Tribune social media accounts. Um, but um, personally, I'm just saying it never really worked. I wasn't good at it. I've, I've, I've stayed away from it, but I've had to learn to pay attention to it by in covering college volleyball. And I'll explain something to you. There are so many really well-sourced social media accounts, websites in college volleyball, unlike almost any other sport that I can think of. Mm -hmm. uh, and to be tethered to them is to almost be at about the breaking edge of news. Um, and some of this stuff becomes, I think, a little bit gross, but also a little bit of just the reality. And one of the things that you notice about college athletics these days, I remember when uh, I don't cover gopher football, but it's Ethan Cal. How do you say his last name? Calcmanus. Cal yeah, Calcmanus. When when he announced that he was transferring, do you remember that beautiful, like, yeah, it was gorgeous. designed card, yeah. yeah, gradients of of maroon and gold. The the sign off of the player has become mm -hmm. part of the story of how a, a a person leaves a program, and when Landfair announced, you know, the the news had broken because of some of these social media sites, because of some of these websites that are ahead of the curve. They know who's in the portal before the player is even announcing it because they have ends with the compliance office or they have ends with just the the actual portal itself, whatever that looks like, this this sort of matrixy concept of, but there is an actual portal, you know, it's a real thing. I want it to be like a portal to another dimension. Like, that's just how I imagine it. It kind of I is. I want it to actually. be like a, like a lobby, like a digital lobby where <laughs> everybody's got lobby. an avatar. Like, here we are, like, hey, yeah, they're like getting coffee and hanging out. Like, oh, what are you going to do? I don't know. 
I don't know. What it's are you going to do? Weird being in the portal. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like uh, purgatory. Um, but so when she made her official announcement on Instagram, the things that you have that you are forced to notice these days as a reporter, because it is to me uh, illuminating of something, um, was you know that she gave this wonderful. Um, you know, sort of statement to the fans of Minnesota, to her time at Minnesota. She thanked Hugh McCutcheon, uh, who recruited her and has known her. I mean, she re- she was recruited to the U back when you could commit when you were in seventh grade or whatever. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah. she's known she's known Hugh forever. Um, and but she made no mention of her teammates. She made no mention of of Keegan Cook and his staff. And none of her teammates have had any of the sort of rah-rah Instagram comments that you often see on teammates' sites. So this is the kind of stuff that I hate to even bring up. But to me, it is one of these things that when if you're trying to read tea leaves about a departure, you look at that and you go, huh, I wonder if um, for a team that this season at multiple times in public, in press conferences, talked about the need to develop um, – a sort of camaraderie, a cohesiveness to look at themselves in the mirror. I was like, huh, I wonder if there was maybe more to the chemistry than I gave credence to during the season because outwardly, well, A, I'll say this, I really like Taylor Lanfair. Um, The conversations I've had with her over the past couple of years, it's like she is smart. She's not your, you know, volleyball has some really outwardly expressive players. Yeah. You've seen them, you know, you just see their energy on the court. She was always struck me as like being more reserved, more inward. Um, and in that included when she was out destroying teams, she just doesn't, she didn't have that kind of, um, I'm going to, you know, pump my fist in your face or like really scream to the sky mm-hmm. type of attitude. When you'd interview her, it was like, she was in the design school at the U she was really interested in her academics. And that would like matter a great deal to her just as much as I think, you know, in some capacities wanting to talk about volleyball, she wanted to talk about just being a, a person and a college student. Um, but all of this to say that I don't, know what's going on. Melanie Shabmaster once said to me, there's 16 girls on this team. So, and that was like the extent of it. I think it's the same for any, any sports team. You're yeah. always going to have personality. You're always going to have sort of the ins and outs of how a roster is built. And I've gotten so many um, really nice emails from Gopher volleyball fans who are a passionate group who care deeply about their team um, and are curious about what's happening. But a lot of people saying, well, could this be a benefit? Could a change be and i i am the first person to say uh i would never say that <laughs> I would yeah, never like, you're losing <laughs> one of your best players like there's <laughs> yeah, there's certainly yeah. like there there's definitely like addition by subtraction right. kind of yes. things like chemistry matters like i imagine yes. i remember like 15 20 years ago like you know uh, the, the, you know the gopher batman's basketball team like they lose chris humphreys after a year humphreys was like all big 10 great score but they went like three and 13 the year they were that he was there and it wasn't his fault but like right. he leaves and all of a sudden next year they, i think they're 10 and 6 or something like that like and they're unexpectedly good like sometimes you change the chemistry you spread the kind of the balance around and for right. whatever reason it clicks well and that's what i mean so the to me losing taylor landfair hurts in a, in a couple of different ways, but 
part of it is that this was this was part what I was saying is part of this is was going to happen. The team was going to have to segue from these players and it will continue to happen that were not cook recruits um, that he inherited um, in terms of defining the program. Now he's trying um, and I know this for a fact, he is trying to do that with this current group of players. He's trying to build, you know, part of what he believes in, in how you can team build and build identity of a program in the way that he likes to do it. He's trying to do that with these players, right. but um, that doesn't mean that they are his players. And so when people would send me these emails, I would respond just that way. Like, yeah, it's, I think that it's reasonable to think about that in this moment because you are forced to, you are forced to think about what can this team look like in a completely different way because you're losing such an identifiable part of it. But to me, I just think it's like there's there are unique eras of college athletics, and then there is this era. And this era is devoid of meaning. It is so yeah. Um, it is like abstract. It's abstract athletics. And these COVID years give this dynamic that makes it feel, I think, in some ways kind of personal because like I said to somebody close that's close to the university who also cares a lot about Taylor Lamper, I said, it's just kind of bizarre. Like she'll never get a senior day. She'll never get that send off moment. Right. Um, and this was a player who gave a great deal to this program. Um, she was a three-time All Big Ten first team member. She was an All-American. She was the conference player of the year, academic All Big Ten, uh, never once raised any kind of outward issue, it, period. It was never a problem, always, you know, tried to develop and become what she could. And 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 so when a player like that leaves um, in this modern way of just kind of like, well, one day you look up and all of a sudden there's an announcement, and she's in the portal and she's gone, Um it's sort of it's like a it's like a sad denouement to me for for an era um, of of gopher volleyball. But at the same time, it's like <laughs> it's just the era that we're in right now, especially with these extra years. And she's going to go somewhere and she's going to be good. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, no doubt about it. Um, so anyway, it 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 adds to a sensation of a speed of a sped up time for the Gophers. And it makes next year and especially whatever Cook is doing in the transfer portal now. Um, you know, only more urgent because they have a roster that um, has a lot of talent and they have players that I think are ready for a heightened chance with someone like Landfair stepping out. I mean, people have talked for a long time about Julia Hansen being this really talented player that when she gets a shot, she shows some things. Does that mean she can, it's like the Nas Reed corollary you and I talk about right. sometimes. Yeah. Does it mean she can go out and carry a team the way that uh, right. Taylor Lance, like, we'll see. I mean, that's a big ask. So, um, Anyway, it it's uh, it's certainly a, a, one of the most interesting transfers, obviously, in the history of Gopher volleyball, and um, it just it just yeah adds another wrinkle to Cook's start of this tenure, and um, I think adds a real dynamic of you know what 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 do they want this program to look like, and how are they going to manifest that after losing a, a a core player? Yeah, and a couple final thoughts on this, you know, like. You, you like you said it's 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 kind of this dynamic of fans maybe maybe there's an element of wishful thinking to it too because like if they're saying well maybe we'll be better next year without her like they can't imagine a program that's not successful because it's been successful for so long they're just like there's an assumption that this is just going to be a strong program year after year and even this year when they quote unquote struggled through a lot of the year you know they made the tournament they were they made it to the second round they they got better 
as as the year went on so so there's that well, element of it too so it's like what what are what can they be going forward and then what does this look like well the other thing too that you have to acknowledge with this is that even with landfair they were not a great team no you know what i mean and so it's like team. they were a good team but they were not great and <clears throat> you know in her plank or even with mccutcheon uh last year you know they were in that sweet 16 against ohio state and it's like i think um, and that's with your conference player of the year. And that's with all of the momentum that you're trying to build in McCutcheon's final season. And they still can't get past Ohio state and reach the elite eight. Now that's a big ask. It's not saying it's easy to win that match, but my point is in her time here, the ceiling of the program maybe didn't get. And I think you, if you look back to one lost season or lost is the wrong word, but if you look back to the, what if of Taylor Landfair's career, probably the true, what if is the Elite Eight season with Stephanie Samady, Lanfair's sophomore year where she has the abdominal injury. They um, replaced Lanfair with um, A.D. Miyabi, who was a great out, but she I don't know that she was quite as good as Taylor Lanfair. And that's when they lost in the Elite Eight at Wisconsin. Yeah. And it's like if they had had Lanfair, who had been first team All-Big Ten her freshman season and was coming back for her sophomore campaign, it's like if they had had her, that team might have had national championship aspirations. It might've sure. been the next level. I think once Samity was gone, um, you know, they, the year with Wenis and Lanfair and CC McGraw, that, that was a good season, but it was an up and down season. It was not a dominant season. And um, this year was once again, a, a space where if you, whoever gets the blame for how this season went, whether it's the coaching staff, whether it's the team, um, I think that you have to look at it and say, well, they did not reach their highest potential. Um, and that's probably something that Gopher volleyball fans are thinking about too. Is there a way for the team to start finding that kind of level again, not just making the tournament, but no, we want to be a top, you know, eight team in the country and host first round and be in, you know, contention for big 10 championships. I mean, cook had a, the cook is not an unknown entity. This no. is a coach with a reputation for winning, with a reputation for developing teams. Um, and what he has taken on here, I think, is maybe proving to be um, a more unique and dynamic challenge than expected, probably having to do with the time, like we said, or like yeah. I call it, abstract college athletics. I mean, um, a lot of programs are having to deal with questions about what does it what does it mean to build a roster and to sustain success and year after year, what does that feel like? So anyway... We'll see what it brings, but it certainly creates, again, a, a very interesting offseason for Gopher Volleyball. It does, and they're not unique, like you said, around the country. They're not unique in Gopher athletics. I mean, the portal has been huge throughout Gopher sports football. It feels like, it feels like there's news every day. And I, I would Maybe I'll end with this. Like, It feels like an important year next year for Keegan Cook in the same way, but maybe slightly different way than it was for than it is for P.J. Fleck next year. Like Once you go down a level for a year. And I would say the gopher hmm. football team did that. You, you, you had a bunch of, you know, three, the, the last three gopher football seasons that weren't interrupted by COVID. They won at least nine games, including bowl games this year. They're five and seven. They're dealing with all these transfers. Gophers volleyball didn't slip quite that far, right? They, they went to the second round of the tournament. That's still a good year, but like you yeah. start stacking up years that aren't to your standard. And suddenly that becomes the norm. You got to watch out that you don't set a new standard and a bar that's lower. Well, that it is a tricky, tricky thing about, uh, in some ways, about the fact that the team did not 
um, do a complete reboot in year one of his career. You know, they started from a position of strength. They were number seven in the country to open the polls, you know, this season in his first year. And then when things started to get wobbly, the question started to to come up about, well, what's creating this? What's causing this? And his first recruiting class that that he really recruited, he and his staff recruited, won't be here until 2025. 20, uh, um, and so you have this next upcoming season where I think, you, just like you're saying, I think my sensation was, well, they're going to need to replace Kylie Murr, not easy. They're going to need to um, replace Phoebe Awalea in the middle, not necessarily easy, but pieces that you can go and find, and you're going to have this core of Shaftmaster, Landfair, Wooker, um, you know, you have Erica Davis in the middle, you'll have uh, Zaina Palabliak in the back row who like became a really fun player. And so you kind of have this feeling of, well, if they can start from where they ended and have some of that momentum, then the thing that you're talking about doesn't happen. You don't start to feel like you're, you know, still struggling to find your footing um, as a program. Um, this disrupts that without question, but um you know, whatever their metrics are for success is going to be, I think is going to have to, and and for fans as well, and how they view a successful season. It's like, everybody's gonna have to take a deep breath and just see what Cook wants to do as a coach. That's what I go back to a lot. And I thought about this, I've thought about it more than I should, because I just um, am fascinated by coaching changes and by these dynamics about a coach coming in and trying to, uh, uh, you know, you and I work in a company. It's like the idea of coming in and intimately getting to know 16 people and take on the, the, the like hopes that they have for their career, for their personal life, all of yeah. this stuff. And it just doesn't seem easy to me. And, and, um, and, and the idea that he's just going to sort of smoothly do that, I think was the expectation. And I think he's tried really hard. And this is probably the first, what I would call ripple in that fabric, even the season, um, had a sensation, like you said, of, well, they weathered a storm and then they found a, a, a really nice kind of finishing touch to the season and, and excitement for the for what comes next. We now are going to get a little bit closer to finding out, okay, what kind of systems does this coach want to run? What does he want his teams to look like? This is going to be him shaping this a little bit more, um, a little bit more definitively than just taking on what he had. You know what I'm saying? Taking yeah. on the the thing that the, the team that he inherited more or less that walked onto to, onto the court at Maturi Pavilion for game one was in some ways a Hugh McCutcheon team with Kylie Murray replacing CC McGraw. I mean that's kind and 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 Booth being gone. But I mean for the most part those were it was just a very definitively McCutcheon based um roster. So we'll get something different next year. And that is the other last thing I'll say is he showed he can recruit in the transfer portal. And that's yeah. a big thing. You know, I don't think everybody would have said, oh, who are your star recruits you want to get? I don't know that people would have been saying, oh, Lydia Grote and Phoebe Awalea, we really want those two. He went and found them or him and his staff went and found them and brought in two players who were phenomenal. I mean, so that I think that has to give go for fans some kind of positive feeling that, hey, this guy knows how to identify the kind of players that he does want for the kind of system he wants to run. And that's what coaches are going to have to do going forward, including volleyball. It's going to be fascinating to watch in this sport and all these sports, you know, especially until or if or when um, any kind of like borders get put around these rules. Right now, it's just yeah. wide open and, like you said, abstract sports, abstract college sports. I like that phrasing. Jeff Day, appreciate it as always. Talk soon. All right. Thanks, Ramball. Good conversation with Jeff Day. And by the way, Jeff will join me next week. Only one show next week, but it's a good one. It's the best of 
2023 top stories in minnesota sports best moments in minnesota sports in 2023 so listen for those moments i think i'll put that episode out next wednesday if that sounds okay wednesday or thursday somewhere in there uh it's going to be a long one jeff and i teaming up on a top 10 best moments in minnesota sports kind of in draft format like we've done in a few of these podcasts in the last few months so listen for that but yeah good stuff from him today leads me into the cooler signing day for football doesn't mean the same thing it used to does it it feels like it doesn't it just it it used to be this kind of big anticipated thing hey they're getting these guys in these high schoolers they're going to be here for four or five years chance to is this recruiting class the one that can turn everything around now it feels like it's important still you got to have these players that stick around for a while to build a program but they could leave at any time. They always could, I guess, but they leave so much more frequently now for so many different reasons now in the transfer portal era, in the name, image, and likeness era, that signing day doesn't quite seem to have the same punch that it used to, you know, even five years ago. The Gophers seem like they have a decent class. They've already got a bunch of transfers in. they got a bunch of transfers out, things like that. How many of these guys will be around for five years? I have no idea. That's just the the nature of college sports these days, the nature of where we are headed. And again, I'm not saying this is wrong, right? I'm just saying it's different, that we're adjusting to it still, the economics of it, the the culture of it, things like that. It's just different. It seems like P.J. Fleck is willing to be a different thinker on this, is willing to adjust his thinking on quarterback, especially with with Max Brosmer coming in from New Hampshire, with another transfer coming in from Fresno State, potentially to be a backup, things like that. We'll see where this all takes them, but it does feel very different. Signing day doesn't feel the same as it used to when you don't know how long any of these players are going to be here. That will do it for me today. Expecting Lavelle E. Neal, Star Tribune columnist, to be on the show Thursday. Going to get into it a little bit, I think, on the Vikings with him. Maybe a couple other things. Maybe some Twins offseason stuff. So stick around for that one. Also should be a new Access Vikings podcast out later today. Planning to be out at the headquarters in Egan for that. So check that out as well. Until tomorrow, I'm Michael Rand. Back at it again then. <laughs>